Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bloodthirsty Times. It's your boy, Will. And I'm Emily. And I'm the rootin' tootin' Octavio. <laughs> now, this week, we talk about the bloody fucking benders, man, and how this serial killer family became legend in Kansas. So, hitch up the horses and take your collar of medicine because, yeah. Going to hit the desert trail, boys and girl. So join us in these bloodthirsty times. <laughs> Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times, and these are bloodthirsty times. And we're back for another week of tales. Ducktales. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, um, this week will be fun. I mean, uh, we had our landmarks uh, the last couple weeks. Um, excited to get into this new year, uh, doing some new things. And. Uh, Really excited. Oh, we got uh, followed by Pornhub. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that, which is kind of cool, kind of cool. Well, yeah, last week was fun. I I could not say enough good things about uh, Paranormal Podcast. They were so much fun to work with, dude. Like it was last week, like two hours and ten minutes flew by. Oh, and that's the longest one we've ever had, and it it was it was fun the entire time we were hanging out with them. No, yeah, it was it was a fucking blast i'm like fuck can we just we, do a podcast with them every week like <laughs> I, I, if we could figure out something to do dude i'm down dude i would love to talk to them every week about yeah. something but you yeah, know, they're, just, they're uh, super wanna, rad super rad yeah i want to say thank you for joining us on an episode and making it a fun time we really appreciate it so yes thank yeah, you that, that was, yeah. i mean i have fun every week um but that was a special kind of fun you know yeah it was, it was actual a, fun yeah. There was an excitement coming into like a giddy, like ooh, 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 you get to hang out with other people. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was fun. I really liked it. Yeah, it was a nice way to uh, end the week, you know, before the whole world decided they wanted to fucking go to war. Uh, so. Yeah, before World War Three started. Uh, yeah, it was, it was nice and we all window. die because nuclear proliferation. Prolifer- yeah, proliferation. <laughs> It's, you know, it's one of those things. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> not going to get too much into politics on what's going on over there, but it's not good. No. Not good. I would say it's the opposite of good. That's what I would say it is. I would agree. As mm. shitty as it is, though, like, I didn't realize how difficult it had been for them for so long that I just feel like a lot of them are hardened to this, and it's not what, really... Eastern Euro- Eastern Europeans? Well, just, just uh, Ukraine, Ukrainians, like, oh yeah, no, they, like they get sad that they're just dealing with it, like it's, you know, just another day, and I don't, I don't know how there's... I would live like that. So, not, like, I'm, I'm definitely not making light of the situation, no. but there are some Ukrainians that are making light of the situation and posting yeah, yeah. videos, and there was a guy, oh my god, yeah, driving by in a truck, and. He sees a broken down Russian tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were like, several of could, them. 
if you could put yeah. yourself in this situation, it's just it's just mind-boggling to be in this I situation. See. But you're driving yeah. down a country road, and you see a Russian tank broken down, and you stop, and you're like, hey, what's the problem? Hey, we ran out of gas. All right, you want me to tow you back to Russia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Get in the car. I can take you like, back to Russia. The balls I saw some TikToks of, the, of people taking yeah. selfies with those abandoned tank um, a, tanks. Yeah. That the environment in Ukraine is actually slow and like they got stuck in mud and people are just in there like looting whatever they find. But um, it's just like everything's a meme these days. It's, it's funny and like it's a good way to cope, but also it's like, what the fuck, world? Like, not everything needs to be a meme. Yeah, yeah I just it, at least there are people taking light of it. And, you know, it's hard to decipher what's truth and what's fiction in a lot of these like facebook yeah. instagram posts and there was one i guess that uh the ukrainians are taking down all their street signs and stuff so the russians yeah. are confused on where because I, I mean even the guy <laughs> that stopped to, to quote unquote to him back to russia i was like hey you guys know where you're at and they're like nope it's like all right cool yep. later <laughs> just <drove laughs> off. All right. i know that they're uh, replacing the signs like they're taking them down and then they're writing like welcome to hell or like well, turn have, the fuck around yeah they got <laughs> fuck you yeah. written on their electronic like they're what we would consider like our dot warning signs on the freeways they have like fuck you written on them and stuff. <laughs> fuck you don't come again but uh yeah we just we don't want to get too heavy into this because it's nah. it's not our place we're yeah. just a true crime podcast but you know we're I, try to be hip on the times i guess and, yeah well, and bringing light to, to a time, dirty situation Let's, let's talk about uh is it hank or frank the tank over in california the big old bear the 500 pound bear whatever it is eating all the people's pizza breaking into people's houses and eating all the pizza got all fat you guys seen this i'm sorry yeah. what what are you talking about there's a, there's a bear in like northern california called i think it's either hank the tank or frank the tank i don't know exactly i've seen both but yeah essentially it's a big ass brown bear that uh basically got used to human food and now breaks into people's houses to steal your pizza he's basically like that jennifer lawrence gift like give me the pizza and now he's like really fat huh you don't say yeah it's i didn't Hank. know about this i didn't either but he is enormous are you looking it up right now he... oh my god his how, name big, is Hank how, big, how big are you, how big are you talking? he weighs more than 500 pounds he is a 500 bear named Frank the Tank breaks into dozens of homes in California. <laughs> Still Wait, so is it Frank pizza? or Hank? It's, well, that one says Frank, but the other ones I'm seeing that are saying Hank. No, yeah, it's two look, both, right? the same article, the title is Frank the Tank, but in the article they call him Hank. <laughs> you got to love the news. You can't get anything right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 500 bear, pound bear. 500 bears? <laughs> yeah, five, hopefully not. Oh, my God. So big. He's, he's massive. He's wow. a thick boy. That's probably the first time he I've heard that, right, boy. Octavio? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I hear, I hear it all the time. Oh, he's, he's definitely okay? not. Um, not. He needs to lay off the the table food for sure. <laughs> Specifically pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe don't break into people's houses and steal their food. He's a bear. He's yeah. What are you gonna do against scared. him? You he, tell him no. Okay. So people. <laughs> People's concerns apparently are that he's going to break into a house and he, they're not going to have pizza and they're going to be like, okay, well, what else am I going to eat? He eat their fucking kids. Like, that's, I guess that's the concern. I don't here. think he's going to have any room in his children pizza. Big body. <laughs> <laughs> little babies, little babies, little baby pepperonis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> B 
but yeah, you look it up, dude. He's a massive, just a big, thick old boy. And I said, damn, he's thick. Yeah, he's thick. Triple C? Three C's. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well, that was our uh, intro to the episode. Yeah. Totally <laughs> Staley. related. Uh, Richard, thank you for that beautiful piano concerto. the Iris. Yeah, the concerto, the piano. Um, but this week we journey back to Kansas we've been there before Toto come with we're going to Kansas (laughs) Uh, but more specifically uh, at the end of the Civil War where the American government once again convinced stretch stretch of the word uh convinced uh the osage indians because they convinced them once before it's like fool me once shame on you uh to give up their land in kansas and move to the indian territory uh in what is now known as oklahoma it wasn't there wasn't state lines then it's like hey go over here now it's oklahoma now, this freed up large plots of land for homesteaders to settle and farm the area. Now, most of this was made possible by what's known as the Homestead Act of 1862. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you. And this is another history lesson with me. Will. <laughs> Wild Bill. Wild. Um, him. Uh. Wow, wow, Bill. Now, <laughs> now, after the southern states seceded, uh, Abraham Lincoln himself signed the order in the act, which turned over large amounts of land to private citizens. Now, in order to claim this 160-acre parcel of land, you as a homesteader had to be the head of a household or 21 years old. And this was open to immigrants, single women, formerly enslaved people, and farmers without their own land. Now, how do you call yourself a farmer if you have your own land? Riddle me that. Anyways, there's a couple stipulations to this act. You had to be a citizen or legally declare the intent to become one. Uh, You didn't fight against us or aid enemies of the United States and you had to have continuous residency for five years before you would receive the title for said land. Now the Homestead Act remained in effect until 1976 although there was a 10 year uh, extension for Alaska and uh, there were essentially 270 million acres or 10% of the U.S was settled by nearly 4 million homesteaders across 30 states. Now, turning over this large amount of land to private citizens would come with repercussions that can still be detected throughout America today. Yeah. Wait, I have a question. Uh Uh-huh. So, women could qualify for this, but, like, they had no All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yeah. Beyonce knew it was up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Basically, yeah, it, I, they, they wanted people to to uh, farm the land. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's why they, they created 
that in its sense. And they, you know, had these minor stipulations, but pretty much anyone was entitled to the land. You had to pay a, yeah, a, you just had a fee. Like $10. Yeah, you had to pay a fee yeah. for it and then live there for five years. And then you actually build owned. a home. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can actually um, own the land. But <clears throat> Octavia is going to be the expert. Well, yeah, this one. We, we I actually wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the Homestead Act of 1862, which, like you said, was implemented during the Civil War by Abraham Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. Yeah. So now we have talked about shit like this before during our Osage episode and our Lizzie Borden episode where we talked about manifest destiny, you know, the good old um, racist reason to reach across America and take what's yours. You know, even though colored people already live there. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, but that land is ours. Hey, I, you know what? I understand you guys have lived here for a long time, but millennia. It's ours now. So if you could just kindly move, like shift to the right a little bit. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. We're going to take this. But yeah. And you guys can so go. So manifest destiny. Fuck off. Which led to yep. the Gilded Age. <laughs> which we also talk about where people were prosperous as long as you're a white American, because you, you could be white and not be American and not be prosperous. So you got a distinct, you got to, you know, there's white people and there's white Americans. White Americans are what prosper during this time. You got to be a wasp, sir. Shut up. So our story today takes place before all of that, but it's all related. See, the Homestead Act was just a way to get the fine white folk of the day to start migrating west and hopefully get enough people together to create a new state. Yeehaw! And all they wanted to do this for is to add to the Union for expansion. Before all of that could happen, though, we have to go further back to when a dude who famously loved our native people, Mr. Andrew Jackson, that's right, the Indian lover himself, Actually, he famously <laughs> fucking hated Indians. Yeah. He fucking hated Indians with a passion. If my high school well, history dude, books told me right, uh, he did not like them. No, he did not. Uh, but Mr. Andrew Jackson, in 1830, he decided he wanted to sign a little something called the Indian Removal Act into law on May 28, 1830. Which now, I know that name sounds confusing. I don't know why lawmakers got to make their shit all complicated. I wish they would just title these laws so they could be easily understood. But the Indian Removal Act of 1830 authorized the president to grant, land, grant lands west of the Mississippi in exchange for Indian lands within existing state borders. Uh, so the Indian Removal Act of 1830 removed Indians in 1830. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, say. okay. Yeah, I was a little yeah. bit. Con I was confused. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. I know a lot I know. of legal the jargon. Really yeah, a little legal yeah. jargon in there. The title's really confusing. You know, you say Indian Removal Act. Now, what could that possibly mean? Yeah. So it's basically the removal of Indians. So basically, the Union gets precious lands held by Native Americans, and American or Mr. Jackson gets. Uh, they get to send these Indians to new reservations further west, controlled by the government. Um, I mean, that is until the white man finds valuable rocks or black gold in them, their hills. Then they got to displace the natives again. Yeah. yeah we, that, that old gem. Yeah, we covered that in the Osage Nation. Yeah, we first. covered it yeah. quite a bit. 
I'd just like to reiterate, these things happen in the past. Oh, you guys struck gold? <laughs> Sorry. I hate to interrupt. Uh, but can you guys shift a little bit more right? Towards probably just say, oh, you found our gold. Thanks. Get out. Oh, yeah. Our uh, gold, yeah. Uh, just move more right to this area that you can't really do anything on. Like, you can't farm, and there's no oil, and there's no gold. Oh, especially no buffalo since we yeah, killed all yeah, of them. Yeah, we killed all of them just to yeah. make sure you yeah. couldn't survive. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, these native peoples were not happy about being made to leave the home that they've had for millennia. So some of them fought back, and it did not go well. But even if they didn't fight back and just decided to leave, they said, fine, fuck it, we'll leave. They still had an immense journey ahead of them, and something like 30% would die on the way to the new government lands. You know, the Trail of Tears and shit. You know, that little, little gem of history. So going back to 1862... Uh, when the Homesteaders Act was signed into law, the very first person to not only sign up for the program, but actually get his parcel of land was a man named Daniel Freeman on January 1st, 1863. I mean, how much more on the nose can you get, dude? Your last name is Freeman? That's your last name? Daniel Freeman? Well, is he a free man? He's a free man. And he was... First person in the history to get a free parcel of land. Oh man, jokes <laughs> just write themselves, huh? The history, man. So eventually, when thousands of others received their parcel, that uh, it didn't mean that they had an easy life from then on. Like getting this free land was not like, oh, we made it. You know, we can finally live our dream of whatever the fuck your dream is. Um, in fact, it's said that 60% of everybody who tried to not only make a life in the West, but meet the government standards of growing crops and making the land valuable, just packed their shit up and went back to city life or wherever they came from. But that still leaves 40% who stuck, who did stick it out. Now, that didn't necessarily mean that they made it, but that they stuck it out because they put all their money into making this dream work. I mean, think about it. Sure, you got 160 acres of prime real estate for free in probably the most flyover state out of all the flyover states, but you are still compared to, uh, expected to make a lodge with a minimum size of like, I think it's like 18 by 12 or some shit, right? Like that you had right. to have- yeah, yeah, you had to you had to build a, yeah, they had to build a house, but it was from whatever you could find nearby, so. yeah. So, yeah, so you got to build that lodge. And like I said, I think it's the minimum was like 18 by 12. And then you got to till the land, which, by the way, absolutely fucking decimated America's natural prairies. But then you got to buy the equipment to farm. Plus, where are you getting water from? I mean, I don't know. The whole fucking thing was a clusterfuck, everything about it. Yeah, there, there was a lot of... Um, what's the right word for it? Um opposition to the act um kind of for those same reasons like well you're setting people up for failure if you give them these for, failure, yeah. for these certain stipulations and then also like what we see and i don't know if you cover it in the like the long term they're quote unquote let's take the term lightly you're raping the land itself yeah. to do what yeah to expansion i mean they it did turn out that um, 
the lands that people gave up or couldn't make work were essentially taken by the railroad company, by the till the, the distillery companies and and these textile companies that just basically sold the land for railroad tracks. So it became an important part of American real estate eventually, but it wasn't for the because they what they wanted to do was make like crops. They wanted to have a section of rural America that provided food for the rest of the country but it just didn't work i mean some of it did don't get me wrong like there's a lot of corn and stuff obviously a lot of jokes about the midwest and corn but it was mainly these companies that came in yeah they mainly these companies that came in and took the land essentially off of um was legal jargon you know these little plot um, not plot holes these little uh loopholes that you could get and they just took the land and ended up getting tons millions of acres for free to for their businesses yeah it it, it turned from trying to have uh small individual families become um you know grow and and have a future and then when they failed all these large mega companies coming through be like all right we're gonna take this land now Mm -hmm. and and so it kind of shifted the narrative on what the homesteader act was all about hundred percent. So the same day, Mr. Freeman got the very first 160 acres in the Homestead Act, Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Are there any questions, men? Yes, soldier. Have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? I don't listen to hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as we all know, the proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within rebellious states are, and henceforward shall be free. Everyone knows that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's the old, like, I have a dream. I know. I know. I'm just joshing. Jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So this meant that the Homestead Act now included ex-slaves alongside Americans or people who said they were going to be American at some point in the near future. And these Americans had to have never taken up arms against America, meaning, unfortunately, Confederate soldiers were ineligible. So, sucks to suck. Yeah. You fought on the wrong side, guys. Yeah. It also turns out the Homestead Act allowed for free land. However, there were fees involved, which totaled to about $10, which is about $350 today. So obviously, newly freed slaves had zero money to their names, but let's say they did come up with the ten dollars because a, a few fair amount did. They came up with the ten dollars <coughs> for fees and shit. They still needed farm equipment, which tacked on an extra six hundred to a thousand dollars in that day's money, in eighteen sixties money. And it's not like the government was going to help. I mean, they already gave them a huge parcel of land for free fifty. So you know, they're do what you got to do. Here's the land fucking make it work yeah so. it was it was one of those things like hey we'll give it to you free everything else you got to do on your own and you have yeah. to build a house and you have to farm the land so and for five years you have to do it for five before the land is actually yours you have to do it for five mm-hmm. years successfully by the way yeah so good luck have fun yeah so regardless um after the civil war ended there was a mass exodus of former slaves going west uh, with the majority moving from 1879 to 1881, meaning uh, 
former slaves. They had a mass exodus in these, these two years. And because of this, large black communities started popping up, especially in Kansas. Like, this is kind of a silver lining, but at the same time, it's not because a whole group of marginalized people had to be displaced in order for another group of marginalized people to have a fair chance. So it's kind of like, um, it is fucked up, but at the same time, other people profited off of it that were, weren't white people. So I don't know. It was, it was good, but it was bad. You know what I mean? It was bad but it was good i don't fucking know Ah. it it happened it happened i don't know but you digress but i digress Ooh, that whistle Ooh, (laughs) like i said i love this song this this is kill bill vibes yeah i feel really stupid why i mean i knew that i knew this but like i didn't know like this but this is this is high school like they teach you this in high school but like the cliff notes version because, like, yeah. everyone knows of the Trail of Tears and all that. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, they're forcing people to reassimilate in other states and people die along the ways. But no one, when you're that age, you don't dive down into, like, why it happened or yeah, the reasons. the context of it all is missing. Unless yeah, you're on top of you. Well, that and now that we're older and realizing, holy shit, this isn't like we did a lot of fucked up things to make America what it is today. And school grades are all indoctrination, so they're not going to tell you that America is <laughs> fucked, right? They're going to be like, oh, this happened so that America could be great. They didn't tell you how many people they displaced and how many families they murdered along the way yeah, to I, make this great country. Yeah, I, I think the 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 biggest one again little side tangent is Christopher Columbus. I was going to say that. Right? Like he was a hero and you read it in the school books and you learn about it and like, Oh my God, he, he founded the Americas. No, he didn't. He's a piece of shit. But once you read more into it and you dig down into that, that dirty filth (laughs) of knowledge and you're like, this guy was a piece of shit. And he yeah, murdered, murdered, raped, out, out and, 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 and pillaged. And enslaved. Yeah. God, it was terrible. Yeah, basically any article or book outside of school curriculum will tell you anything remotely closer to the truth than school ever will. So Google is your friend, kids. But they don't, don't want to tell you that in school. Storybook. You're too no, young. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. You're they don't tell young. me anything about him. Don't tell me. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. You know, they got to... <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, Rick is talking. Yeah, they, they, that's something they have to change within the the, the, well, sc- the what, school. Okay, they got they got to be more like, hey, this is the real story, not what. I don't want to get political with this, but isn't uh, that what critical race theory is? What just In not the, giving the not truth? So they walking over. Yeah, no, critical race theory is giving the actual factual truth of how, especially white america fucked everybody and and you know the implications of what they did i'm pretty sure that's what critical race theory is so i i don't know why people would be against it other than i you don't want your kids to know what shitty truth i don't know but again that's a political topic that i i don't know enough about i guess yeah so i'm not gonna go there no but it makes sense and and it's 
it, it's something that they kind of gloss over when you're in high school. Like uh, this happened, but nah, we're not gonna talk about bad stuff, right? Okay, cool. No. Learn it Mark. on your own when you're in college and out of the public schooling system, so you can't sue us. I don't know. I know it's just like <laughs> it's all these complaints of like your parents tell you to go to college and then you go to college like, man, why is my son all liberal now? <laughs> also, I'd be willing to bet that both of you had very different books and versions of a lot of this stuff than I did. I would hope not, but I think you're right. Probably. I mean, I would hope not also, but I think that you probably did. No, it's it, it's the same with like sex education and stuff. There's schools that do a lot of things different um, when it comes to... But I'm just uh, saying, like, his, geographically <clears throat> related. Like, I feel oh, like no, yeah, his, I live in the South. I'm, I learned things that were more prominently South positive. Yeah, you, 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 say. you were you were taught to rise against the Union, <laughs> fly that Confederate flag. No, sir, not I. <laughs> no, I hate oh, okay. that fucking flag. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we tell you all this to tell you this. In 1870, a group of five families who were, quote-unquote, spiritualists. Now, y'all familiar with spiritualists? Wait, they're just a group of five. They're not five families. Or Is it five families? There's There, there were five families of these uh, okay, okay, so-called spiritualists. What is a spiritualist? Uh, they can talk with the dead type of thing. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Um... They would claim their 160-acre parcel of land plots in western Labette County, Kansas. They kind of just, like, moved together, right? Mm -hmm. And the Benders were one of those families. And they chose their plot of land on the Osage Mission Independence Trail. Now, the Benders consisted of John Sr., who is roughly 60. These are all rough estimates of ages, so bear with me. Yeah, we should probably go over how there's no concrete evidence of fucking any of this. Yes. This is all hearsay from neighbors and from people who were, we're in the area, in the area. who heard something. Yes. Who just, you know, you hear tales of something. So just bear in mind that all of this is what we think we know and what other people think they know and so don't quote me on the 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 ages or uh like quote-unquote exact details because it's all kind of just it's so long ago it's hard to pinpoint you know the book you read had one thing and then another book had a different thing like yeah. everyone has a different version because everyone talked to someone different like nothing here is a hundred percent provable fact so yeah this is one of those it's a legend right it's <clears throat> this happened here and everyone likes to tell their own story of it so keep that in mind so the bender family was john senior who was around 60 at the time. His wife, Elvira, was about 55. He had a son, John Jr., who was in his mid-20s, and daughter, Kate, who was in her early 20s, about 23. Now, they started to build on the land, and they, they raised the barn, put in a, a corral, they dug a well, and then they built a one-room cabin, tiny cabin we talked about the dimensions yeah it was was tiny tiny. tiny and with their property being relatively close to the osage trail 
uh, they decided to portion off the house to create a small inn and also a grocery store in the front with their living quarters being in the back. So they took the canvas tarp off their horse-drawn wagon, put it across the house, and they split it like two-thirds, roughly. So they took this already tiny, like, what, 20 by 12 cabin and mm -hmm. split that bitch in half yep. for their actual living space by a tarp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they put a tarp. A they soundproof said, tarp. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, can you do that? Life is... It's all they knew. Terrible. happy to have it. Right, I get it. A roof over their head and they had a bed. I get it. But even the 20 by 12 shack is not enough. Now they're going to take a tarp and split it in half? No, sir. Not, I mean, 20 by me. 12 in Los Angeles now, you're looking at $2,500 for that that piece of yeah, bitch. That's a million-dollar property. You know what I'm saying? Wait, 20 by 12? <clears throat> yeah, I did. Don't worry about it. What? 20 by 12 is a bedroom. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh -huh. that's, that's a studio apartment in Los Angeles and costs you twenty five hundred bucks. Bless it. That piece of bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. And so they uh divided it up and said, Hey, the front half that's gonna be the grocery store. Uh it's gonna be the you know, the quote unquote inn where they can mm -hmm. dine. And what? they hung Yeah, and then in the the backside is where they went to bed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They're just like packed and they're like fucking sardines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with all their shit. This is eighteen. This is eighteen seventies life. Come on, get oh, with the I times. Miss, I miss that. I'm sorry. Get I mean, with the times. I forgot what it was like. I'm sorry. Never forget. Um, <laughs> and the son created a sign, a young this rudimentary sign, uh, out front of the property, advising or advertising, advising, also advertising. Grow, grow, grocery, uh, grow, 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 cry, grocery. So the sign said G R O C R Y. It didn't say grocery. It said grow, grocery, grow, cry, grow, cry, grow, cry. Nice. Grocery. Uh, I thought you were actually struggling with the word. <laughs> no, that's, they yeah. spelt it. Spelt and they it. had that sign up proudly on the side of the Osage Trail. Said, come here and get your grow cries. <laughs> your grockeries. Maybe we're saying it wrong, you guys. We never know. I don't know. No. <laughs> stupid. It was the 1870s. Um, and, and so uh, with advertising of their grow cries, uh, they carried a small <laughs> number of supplies for the weary passerbys. Well, again, the grow cry thing as well, because I guess you didn't. Oh no, you you did you did talk about it later, but they were not from here, so that could be a reason. <laughs> it could be. They were just stupid. Who knows? Maybe a mix <laughs> of maybe a mix of both. Both a little bit of both here and there. Maybe they were playing stupid, so people would come and buy their grow cries. Maybe people would feel sorry for them. Maybe right. they're really smart. Either that, or the trail has no water and no food for hundreds of miles, and they're on horses, yeah. and so they have the cholera and malaria. So the first sign of grow crease, you're going to go in there. <laughs> I dig that one. So with that, they carried a small number of supplies for the weary passerbys. Um, it also created a um, safe <laughs> place for strangers to sleep and get a cooked meal. Now, I say safe because 
I haven't mentioned a single reason why we're talking about the benders. So, a little ominous verbiage here. Now, the benders kept to themselves, and like the other homesteaders in the area, they worked their asses off to barely get by. Like, barely get by. Mm-hmm. Well, not them. Other people. They did somewhat well. And that was somewhat strange. And that factors in later. <laughs> now, <laughs> so much foreshadowing. So Wait, much. The benders were poor and others weren't? Well, they no. had a grow cry. <clears throat> they had a grow cry. Uh, they weren't as struggling as the others in the okay. area. They had uh, outside monies coming in. Gotcha. They had a side hustle. Side hustle, yeah. It was an MLM, wasn't it? Uh, LLC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the Benders were thought to be of German descent because uh, John Sr. and Almira, Elvira. Elvira. Yeah, Elmira, there's so many names. Again, sorry. Elvira. Uh, they spoke very little English, and they had such guttural accents that no one could understand what the fuck they were saying. They barely spoke English. They spoke in either German. Some people thought they were from Holland. Like, they, they were from Europe somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. They had. They didn't spoke very little English. They knew uh, English the cuss words. <laughs> That's the thing. They knew enough. Yeah. They knew enough. But their son and daughter, quote unquote, however, uh, spoke English fluently, uh, and John uh, Jr. was said to have um, like a slight German accent. But they spoke English but, pretty well. But Kate didn't. No. No. Wait, what? How? I oh, I don't know. How indeed? How indeed? She assimilated. Now, <laughs> John Sr was a big burly man standing over six feet tall get piercing black eyes with big bushy eyebrows like you would think oh you're European ish right European or a lumberjack or a lumberjack um, but he was given the nickname uh, Beetle Brow John now his wife Alvira or Ma because they go by Paul and Ma so if you hear well, that the, throughout the story, but yeah, yeah but, I, was, I was about to say, yeah, um, like the they Harold Schechter, the book you read is different than the book I read by the same author. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says that um, the John Senior was known as Old Man Bender or Pa, mm-hmm. and then you had just Ma. So I, I don't know different accounts by the same author. So you see how there's confusion here. The same author has two different accounts. Yeah, and you factor in that it was in the 1870s, and so it's it's. Not a lot of factual. There, there is factual information. It's just it's hard to yeah. nail like certain and, aspects. And, so how they get addressed and, is <clears throat> it fluctuates, I guess. And I just found another account that says that Ma or Elvira was forty-two, and she had the she was she was old but with cold-eyed, wizened looks of a hag, a hulking, uh, dim-witted twenty-seven-year-old son, John Junior, and a daughter <laughs> named Kate. A young woman in her early 20s who, by default, was considered the brains of the operation. Though Kate has gone down in legend as a red-haired temptress, she appears to have been a ruddy-faced, mannish-looking female who held seances under the name 
professor, Miss Katie Bender, and claimed to be a faith healer. So again, same author, completely different accounts of what just happened. Like that's directly from the serial killer files book that I have in yeah. front of me. So yeah. And even in the book, it's the same author describes mm-hmm. him completely different. Right. So that's the problem here. You know, different, just who you talk to, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you don't have a lot of like historical documents that can nail down certain details. So some of it is open for interpretation, but We'll say John Sr.'s pa, mm-hmm. Elvira's ma. Yep. And she was heavyset and was so unfriendly that she was referred to as she-devil by the neighbors. <laughs> Hell yeah. She also claimed to be a medium who boiled herbs and roots so she could cast charms and wicked spells on others. Remember, they're spiritualists, so mm-hmm. it's all factoring in. Now, John Jr., the son, tall and slender, had a mustache. Tip of the hat to you, sir. <laughs> I have a mustache, in case you guys were wondering. I have a mustache, but I have a beard to go with it. Yeah. Well, you don't qualify. <laughs> Sorry. And <laughs> shave off the, the beard. Shave off your mustache. No. Grow a beard. No, I can't. Well, you can or you won't. I can't. I would work or yeah, work, work or genetics. No work. No, I could I could grow a mean old beard. Uh, I just I have to wear an N95 mask. So mm. yeah, yeah, sucks to suck. But in any sucks case, <laughs> the kid was. We'll say he was overall handsome, but he had one thing that stood out. He would just laugh randomly. So many thought he was a halfwit. It's like middle of a conversation, just start laughing. What the fuck is up with this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. This guy's... He's special. He's off his rocker. Something's going on here. He must be a halfwit. That's what they said back in the day, okay? Don't quote. But now on to the friendliest and probably the most sinister member of the family, Kate. Now, she had great social skills and would attend Sunday school at the nearby town of Harmony Grove. I had already mentioned the family were part of the, the spiritualists, and Kate was probably the most vocal. She was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic and would give lectures on spiritualism, which actually ended up becoming pretty profitable for her. She claimed that she could speak with the dead and performed seances for those willing to partake, but then was soon labeled as being satanic. Well, of course she was. Everything's satanic yeah. back in the day, but uh, I'm surprised you left out the part where she's all fucking hippy-dippy. And, yeah. And she's uh, advocating for free yeah, love. Yeah, she's a free no love matter, type of type, type No of matter gal. who it's with. She's Ginny. You know what I'm saying? Um, she, yeah, Ginny. Well, let's, let's just say that if there's, there's some dick, she gonna fuck. She going wow, she going she's like she's like a yeah. like a like a pig to a, like a pig to a truffle cuz the benders <laughs> what the fuck the the benders they uh they fuck hmm. they fuck you don't say they be fucking you ever heard of a pig to a truffle I'm sorry what a pig to a truffle you ever heard that saying no 
They use pigs to find truffles, like black truffle. Oh, okay. So she's... Um, I've never heard of that. So Kate to Dick is a pig to a truffle. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Just sniff it out. Gonna I'm find... sure it'd be easy in this oh, time. No one showered. She gonna find it. Yeah. yeah she but... can probably sniff it out real easy. No one showered. Yeah, and she didn't either. Like, they were talked about oh, like, like so gross like the dirt in the creases of her neck and she, it was oh yeah <laughs> like she just had this uh this neck that was just so Ooh. full of taters dirt oh just caked on there it was great yeah. yeah but you know you know there are accounts of her being uh a, like a, like he said in his other book a red-haired temptress so she was hot regardless i don't know during this time hot means muddy neck yeah, no, <clears throat> comparatively, bring that muddy neck over here, girl. Hey, come on over here, girl. Let me oh. sniff that. Out. <laughs> Let me lick that out of your neck hole. Um, in any case, <laughs> Kate started working oh, as a waitress uh, at a nearby hotel, the Cherry Vale Hotel, and this was only for a few weeks. And this was in 1871. Now, during this time, she became friends with a girl named Julie Hassler, who also happened to be interested in seances and fucking psychic shit. Now, like a like a like a pig to a truffle, <laughs> they latched on. And sometime during the spring, Kate invited Julie over for a seance at the Bender Motel. And Julie recalls that the Bender Motel was fucking dirty and it looked like the family was living in squalor now as she sat down she noticed a stench emanating from the floorboards and there she also noticed a swarm of blue bottle flies now y'all familiar with blue bottle flies no not really Sam okay give you a little lesson on blue bottle flies uh, they're about <laughs> twice the size of a normal house fly and the female bottle fly lays her eggs on decomposed bodies, we'll say. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. They're into some stuff. Interesting. <clears throat> you normally see bottle flies when dead bodies when, are around. When dead. Now, okay, that's weird. Now, why would blue bottle flies be in around the Bender Lodge? I don't lodge? know. I don't know. That's strange. It was weird. Were they just that dirty? Maybe they were looking for Kate's uh, muddy folds. Oh yeah, like eating the the crud out of her neck. Yeah. Who knows? But Kate started the seance, and Julie grabbed her hand and closed her eyes to really focus on talking with the dead. Now, all of a sudden, Julie was overcome with a terrible feeling. Just this dread overcame her and opened her eyes to see three other family members who had quietly crept into the room. That's fucking creepy. That is very creepy. Like she was there with Kate. She opened her eyes. The rest of the Bender fam the Bender family were in the little sleeping quarter area. Like, uh what? Well it's just a an arm reach away, I'm sure. So it didn't take much for them to be there. Yes, but imagine closing your eyes, opening your eyes, and seeing three other people in the room with you. Imagine being in a room and thinking no one else is in the room with you when you can see them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then imagine that Pa 
was holding an axe. Welcome now, to the hotel. Now, she whispered to Kate that she needed a whiz and immediately <laughs> bolted from the house. Hey, uh, hey, we got to stop the answer. I, I, uh, I got to fucking piss so bad. No, I got a whiz. I got a whiz. Yeah, I got a whiz. I'll be right back. And then gone. <laughs> gone. Gone, baby, gone. And she hiked up her skirt over her shoulders so she didn't trip on the way out and then beat feet down the road. <laughs> she remembers that the benders were calling out to her and then heard shots from a gun, but she just kept her head down and ran like hell, never to see the benders again. Now let's fast forward a month to the May of 1871. Two young bucks were out fishing in a van down by the river. <laughs> Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, Chris Marley. Yeah, love them. Now they they be fishing, <laughs> but they stumbled upon a decomposed dead body in a nearby watering hole. Now the body would later be identified as William Jones, who was a stonemason, who also happened to be on his way to stake a claim for some land nearby. His skull had been bashed in like a coconut, and his throat was slit. Now, what? I feel like you did not have to enunciate there. A coconut? Co- coconut would have done fine. Well, it's a coconut. It is. Now, the, uh, yeah. And the <laughs> money he had to pay for the land was gone. And the local peace officers, the shoot 'em up gas, mm hmm found little to no evidence regarding his death with the exception of some tracks left by a wagon whose rear axle was wider than the front. Oh, shit. Actual clues. It's a detective work. Clue. These sound better, better detectives than some of the detectives we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of the other ones that we actually talk about are not as good as this. Yeah. In any case, that was the information they had. Now, in January of 1872, Kansas was hit by a gnarly blizzard. Now, a local resident who it sounds like Leroy was like <laughs> Loray, Dick. Loray. <laughs> um, recalls seeing a wagon making its way through the foot-high snow. The gnarly blizzard. Mm-hmm. She, it's a weird sight to see, I'm sure, no matter what. Yeah, and she recognized the two men driving that horse-drawn wagon. It was John Bender and his son, John Jr. It was also odd to her that they were about four miles away from their home, and they were heading away from it, just into the vast prairie. And she, she told her husband, who just shrugged and said, uh, they probably got lost in the blanket of fallen snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is not... Nothing weird about this at all. They're just lost. Yeah, they're Let's, lost. Yeah. And what's cool is that they're just like, yeah, they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Because they mind their business. Yeah, we don't yeah, need they're good at minding their business. No, we don't need to help them. Mm-mm. Yeah, until a month later, after the grounds began to thaw, when two bodies were found in the prairie, dead, with their heads bashed in and their throats cut wide open. Sounds really similar. Definitely yeah. Definitely we've done this before. Deja vu, baby. 
Now, <laughs> over the course of the year, nine more men traveling by themselves throughout Labette County were reported missing. And the area itself started to get a reputation that no one can safely travel alone. A man cannot ride our highways in daylight without daring assassination. It's a disgrace and burning shame to our state. Said the editor of the Independence Tribune. <laughs> Your enunciation is just on point. Tribune. <laughs> Was it Tribune? Yeah. Tribune. Tribune. Yeah. yeah, you're fine. And it's you're a coconut. Going, this is eighteen. I'm just saying. This is eighteen seventy-two, baby. <laughs> it's all hey, you're with him, man. I, I'm I'm cool with it if you are. <laughs> yeah, it's all willy-nilly out here. All right. <laughs> now let's focus on Leroy Dick, not Leroy. Just previously said Leroy Dick, a different person. <laughs> oh, you want to get on Leroy Dick? Now he was the Osage Township trustee. And he started to receive letters from people claiming that a loved one had gone missing on their way to Labette County. And many of them were thought to be carrying large sums of money with them on their travels. All right. Weird, huh? Now, there was... I, well, well, no, no, not weird, because this is the time where you've got to go get your land. Like we talked about in the intro... You have to buy stuff. You can't just show up and have everything ready. You got to have money to put down for these contractors to come out here and help you out. You know what I mean? So it wasn't weird that they had money because this is the Osage Trail. This is the point of, this is the only road going west. So everyone was passing through here, meaning they had all, not only a bunch of money, but all of their possessions. So, you know, not weird. Just unfortunate for them. Very unfortunate. Now, William F. McCrady, on his way back from a land office with $2,600 in his possession. Missing. John Greary, believed to have $2,000 when he left home, had disappeared. Johnny Boyle was on his way to do some land buying with $1,900 in his possession. Missing. Benjamin Brown who only had about $50 to his name, went missing. But he was traveling in a very fancy wagon with some sturdy horses and brand new harnesses. And then the others that were reported missing had little to nothing in their possession. And accounts differ on how much this George Longcore had on him at the time of his disappearance. But what was different is he was traveling with his daughter after his wife died during childbirth and was actually heading to Iowa to live with his parents. Now, for him to aid in his travels, he purchased a wagon from a friend and also who happened to be the family physician, William York. And he set off in late February of 1873. Now, after getting stuck in a blizzard and being forced to take shelter, in a widow's house, just someone that took him in, he realized his infant daughter was not dressed appropriately for the weather, and the widow was kind enough to give her some warmer hand-me-down clothes, as she didn't need them. And he was never seen alive again. Now, a few weeks later, William York set out to see his brother, 
Colonel Alexander M. York, who lived in Fort Scott. And when he arrived in town, he heard of a story of a wagon and some horses that had been left in the nearby forest. York went to go take a look and saw that the wagon was the one he sold to Longcore. Now this concerned oh, wow. York. Yeah. It's like, hey, I recognize this. Now this concerned York, and he continued to his brothers, because he was in the same town, where he stayed until March, and then rode back to his house in Independence on a fine mare and with $900 in his pocket. He made a couple stops along the way to feed his horse and had a brief conversation with the shopkeeper telling him that on his way down to the Osage Trail, on his way back home, he planned on staying at the Bender Inn. That shopkeeper was the last one to see York alive. See, this is this is why you got to tell people what you're doing and what your plans are. You got to you got to let people know where you are. You got to let your location and um, be known and text everybody. Yeah. Yeah. In the 1860s, you got to make sure that you got to get that text out to as many people as you can. But not while you're driving your horses. <laughs> no, no. You're you got to stay safe in your buggy. But yeah, that's that's a good thing he did. I mean, yeah, he died but at least people knew where to look for him right true like at least there's that he could it could have been a lot worse he could have just he could have because they stopped by i'm sure and talked to the benders but um what good would that have done it's like no i haven't seen him and if your brother hadn't told you that you're going to stop there you would be like oh okay but since he told you you're like hmm you never seen him huh <laughs> like that yeah I, I i don't believe you I gotta tell you that right now. I just I don't believe you. Also, um, I'd like to circle back to this whole monetary amount for each person. Yeah. They barely had um, a home. Well, they have a tarp room, but they have that much money. But who's keeping track of that? Oh, are you, you're talking about how they did like the amount of money they had? Yeah. <clears throat> this is um, what the people left with. Yeah, there's so they knew, you know, they were leaving with this amount of money to go like purchase land, and because money back then wasn't like a bank account, like you didn't have a debit card. And you're like, how much money do I have? <laughs> Let me check my app. Like, <laughs> most of them had the money on hand, and their loved ones knew that they were traveling to this location with this amount of money to purchase, you know, X Y Z property. Yeah. But also, it, they kind of were able to divvy it up when. Well, I'll talk about it later. Okay. No one knows, no one knows yet. It's still a secret. All right. Now, Colonel York, upon hearing from his sister in law that his brother never made it back to Independence, grabbed his other brother, Edward, and about a dozen other men and hastened, 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 hastened. <laughs> I'm all about pronunciation today. You. You wrote this. I, know. I love it, though. It's funny. I, I could say it in my head. I'm like, yeah, it was Hassan, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tribune. Tribune. Now, hasten to search party. And he retraced his brother's route all the way up to the Bender Inn. Along the way, he grilled numerous homesteaders trying to find the whereabouts. You know, it's probably he probably beat a couple people. This is the Wild West. I, I don't think there's any rules 
to it because he's like, where's my brother? Punch. Where's my brother? Punch in the face. Why aren't you talking to me? Because I'm punching in the face. And uh, this colonel, like, I don't go into to depth about his back history, but um, he's a guy you do not want to cross. Mm-mm. He stomped this. Uh, there was a political party that was running, and uh, he basically went to meet with the guy that was running and said, hey, I'll take X amount of money uh, to help you win. The guy agreed. And then he turned around and said, hey, this guy tried to pay me X amount of money to make him win. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) He was a savage. He's also a lawyer. Um, But he was not having it. He's like, what the fuck? Where's my brother? He got all the way up to the bender in where he saw John Jr. sitting outside reading a German Bible. Now, Colonel York began grilling John Jr. about his brother's whereabouts, and after describing his appearance to John, he replied that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 William, yeah, no, he stayed here. Yeah, no, he boarded the horse, and he actually bought some provisions, and then he just rode off. And the colonel's like, okay, uh, that's cool, but where is he? He's like, we can't find him. Oh, he he might have been killed by these outlaws uh, riding in this territory. But um, actually, uh, I even got shot out, shot at by them recently in this area. And the colonel was like, oh, OK, cool. Take me there. And so they went there. And guess what? What? They didn't find anything. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Okay. So was his John Jr. just giggling the whole time? Probably. He was talking to the, like a, talking like to a, the Cardinal? Like a fucking half-wit. Yet, yeah, I, I got <laughs> shot. I got shot at by the same posse. <laughs> Come follow me. <laughs> He's very astute. Yeah. So the Colonel didn't find any signs of his brother or where he may have gone, <clears throat> and the group left empty-handed. Yet the colonel soon found more evidence against the benders and returned on April 3rd with armed men. There the colonel confronted them about a woman who claimed to have fled the bender in after Elvira threatened her with knives and a pistol. And although Elvira initially pretended not to understand English, she began yelling about how the woman had cursed her coffee When Colonel York repeated the accusation, Elvira then kicked the men out. But it was too late. She had already revealed both her mastery of the English language as well as her true nature. Kate, trying to defuse the situation, offered to use her psychic powers and went into a trance and returned stating that Spirits are reluctant to assist since there are too many unbelievers present. Come back another day alone and I'll find your brother for you even if he's in hell. It's weird that uh, the spirits uh, couldn't help her because there's too many non-believers around. Hmm. 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 (laughs) And you should come Hmm. back alone later. She emphasized the alone. 
and come back another day alone <laughs> and I'll find your brother. Even if he's in hell. It's weird. Now, later in April, an emergency meeting was held in the township to discuss the rash of missing persons, which was now up to 11. And about 75 people attended, including Pa Bender, John Jr., and the Colonel. It was decided that every homestead from Drum Creek to Big Hill Creek was going to be searched for clues for the missing people. And everyone agreed, with the exception of the Benders, who remained silent. I wonder why. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's not like them at all. They're usually so talky. They're so walkie-talkie, dude. All of a sudden. Now, a week later, roughly, a man named Charles Nelson, who lived about 10 miles away from the Bender Inn in a town called Thayer, was passing through that town when he spotted an abandoned wagon along with starving horses. The wagon was driven into town and then thoroughly inspected. It was noted that it was well-worn and the hind wheels, the back wheels, uh, were bowed out from carrying too much weight. In the bed of the wagon was a piece of wood roughly 18 inches long and there were letters written on the board spelt out grow cry. The grocery sign isn't there? The grocery sign, dude. Jeez. Weird. Very weird. Maybe they all did that. Maybe they all called it that. Maybe they were all unable to spell grocery. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe we're spelling it wrong. I told you. I think it's a sign. (laughs) Yeah, that is a sign. It says grocery. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a sign. A different sign. I mean, oh, more foreboding. More, more foreboding. I don't know how much more foreboding you get than Grocery. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, isn't it the one that was above the door? <gasps> it's in this wagon that's in a town ten miles away. <gasps> now, sometime later, a neighbor to the Benders, Billy Toe, noticed that the Bender Inn appeared to be abandoned and their livestock seemed unfed. He reported his findings to old Leroy Dick. And a search party was formed, which also included Colonel York. Now, there was some time in between. They're saying it was there was a bad storm, and so it took a little bit of time for that information to get moved over. And so on May 5th, roughly less than a month after... Uh, the search party arrived at the Bender Inn and began their search of the property. When they entered the tiny house, everything looked normal. The furniture was arranged normally. The provisions that they sell were still remaining on the shelves. And they also located three different hammers in the house, which one being a six-pound fucking hammer, dude. Sledgehammer. Yeah, those are malls. Those are malls. <clears throat> yeah, those big-ass hammer. And they also found a German Bible. And in it, they found written in pencil some dates of relatives uh, when they died. But they also saw some recent dates with the note Slag Day next to them. Which, you know what slag is, right, Octavio? 
I know like, several different meanings of the word <laughs> oh, um, I only know um, one. What the is one it? that I know Welding. is uh, there's that, but that's not even what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, slag in, um, I guess, in would it be European sense is uh, a female of some kind? Like a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because there were the, <clears throat> some other things that they had translated, and there was like, I, I can't remember the exact. We'll we'll go into it at the end. But um, that was like the rough translation is like slag day. So you're like, what the hell does slag day mean? They also noticed was the whole house reeked of something horrid, and they noticed the hatch with a leather strap affixed to it. Now they raised the hatch and the smell that came out of that whole God, man, made the devil blush. The search party decided to dismantle the house from the foundation. They picked up the whole damn thing and moved it several <laughs> yards away. Wait, like literally? Yep. Literally. So a bunch of dudes got together. Like about 70, 75 the of them. Mm-hmm. Picked up a whole house. A home. A whole ass house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And literally carried it away. Yep. Wow. Again, it was a tiny ass little shack, but yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but still, it had a tarp. A... Well, that was. <laughs> they probably actually took the tarp with them on their wagon. Yeah. I'm sure they did. You know, about that tarp, though, most. If it was a covered wagon tarp, aren't they usually white? And like, if he, I guess we'll talk about it. But like, we'll talk about it. Yeah, it's just. If she has no one know? dirt in her how neck, no those are not white anymore. I don't think anything's white. Here. No, ever. It was probably uh, the color of uh, they call it taupe, T A U P E. Yeah. Yeah. Like the off-white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so they dismantled the whole ass house. From the foundation. They didn't dismantle the house. They fucking just unbolted it from the foundation and moved that big-ass thing. Mm-hmm. And the cement foundation around where the hatch was located was covered in coagulated blood. And the dirt below it was completely saturated in blood. Wow. Upon noticing that, one of the members of the search party climbed on top of the wagon to get a better look of the area. And noticed some disturbed earth near some apple trees nearby. Now, the party went to investigate and shoved a metal rod into the ground to probe the area and try to find what may lie beneath. On one of those probes, they pulled up human hair. What? Yeah. So oh, they, that means they hit her head. <clears throat> mm-hmm. head. So they immediately started digging and found a human corpse. Oh, shit. Now, it was buried head down with its feet barely beneath the surface and its head bashed in and throat slipped from ear to ear. And it was so brutal when they removed the body from the grave, the head completely fell off. Oh, shit. shit. Yeah. Now, the colonel, who was part of that search party, immediately recognized that it was his brother, William. And now the search party flew into a rage. Yeah. With most of it being directed at a man named Rudolph Brockman. Wait, what? Who? Who is this? He was a guy that actually befriended the Benders when they arrived in the town. 
Now, uh-huh. they started accosting Brockman, and he played dumb. He's like, I don't know anything about this. And so they fashioned a rope into a noose and hung his ass until he went unconscious, woke him up, and did it again. Damn. And then they did it again. What the fuck? What and is then, this? And then when they realized he didn't street have justice? it. What's that? The street justice? Like, what is happening yep, here? Yep. And then they realized he didn't have any information to give, so they let him stumble home. Oh, that's nice. After Good. almost dying. Now times. the rest, yeah, <clears throat> three times. Now, <clears throat> the rest of the townsfolk were aghast that they would do such a thing to this poor fellow. He wasn't known to be anyone murderous or violent. He just the old Rudolph. He, the only thing he had against him was that he knew the benders. He was he was friendly with the benders, yes. And that that was his crime. Mm-hmm. But then right. let's let's fast forward 23 years. Uh-oh. When he was accused and convicted uh, of first degree murder in the death of his 16-year-old daughter. Damn, his own daughter. Oh man. So maybe they should have killed him. Yeah, maybe. Probably. But still at the time all they knew of him. And I mean and it took him 23 years to do it. So even then, that's a long time to not kill someone. Yes, but it, the whole thing was like, how could you do such a thing to some poor fellow when he had this intent all along? Or a dark side to him, I guess you could say. I, I get it, but still at the time, his only sin was being friendly towards mm-hmm. a, a serial killer family. Yeah. Now, the next day, Eight more bodies would be dug up in the so-called death garden. I think they found a total of ten after that, but eight were buried in this death garden. And although a couple had decomposed so badly that they couldn't be recognized, the others were identified as the missing men that were reported prior. And all of the bodies appeared to have been killed in the same fashion. Heads bashed in like paper mache and throats slashed ear to ear. Dang. But what was even more alarming was that three of the bodies, Henry McKenzie, who I didn't mention because he didn't have a lot of money, William York and George Longcore, their bodies were mutilated. Wait, what, mutilated how? Uh, they were castrated. Shit. Yeah. I, I, this, I genuinely have never heard this part. Yeah. Yeah, three of them were castrated. They had genital mutilation, which they're Mm -hmm. saying it was castration. And we'll move to probably the most heartbreaking part of this story. Yeah, this is the worst part of this entire story, uh, 100%. Yeah. And that was the method in which George Longcore's 18-month-old daughter, Marianne, was killed. She was thrown in the grave next to her father and buried alive. Oh, shit. See, the the version I heard was that they threw her into the grave first and threw her dad on top of her. Again, there are multiple accounts. Yeah. Because it's... Either way, the the ending is she was buried alive. Yes. uh, Her head wasn't bashed in and her throat wasn't slit. And so 
it it was difficult to say that she was killed in that fashion because they didn't find a lot uh, that would have killed her, a lot of injuries that would have killed her, except for the fact that she was buried alive. Yeah. And again, it's it's difficult to nail down the age of Marianne be- because I <clears throat> multiple sources. Some say she was 18 months. And there's another report that says she was eight years old. And the Kansas City Times reported... The little girl was probably eight years of age and had long, sunny hair and some traces of beauty on a countenance that was not yet entirely disfigured by decay. One arm was broken, the breastbone had been driven in, the right knee had been wrenched from its socket, and the leg doubled up under the body. Nothing like this sickening series of crimes had ever been recorded in the whole history of the country. That was good. Brutal. It's terrible. Like, uh, and it's sad yeah because she was the one that even after all that none of those were were death blows right yeah broken arm breastbone driven in right knee essentially dislocated and doubled up it could have been from getting thrown into the 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 grave can i can i read a little passage from the uh serial killer files book yeah yeah go for it so it says um when word got around that the benders had absconded, the posse returned to the um, the farm and made a horrific discovery. In the pasture were seven shallow graves containing the corpses of eight human beings. Seven were grown men, including Dr. York. One was an 18-month-old girl who had been traveling with her father. The benders hadn't bothered to brain her. They had simply tossed her into the pit with her father's mangled corpse and buried her alive. Yeah. Terrible. And they found one of the the bodies in the well that they had dug. So they they found a total of ten. So it was eight plus the well, and I forgot what the other one was at, but I think it was um, a body parts that they found scattered. They, yeah, there's that were body parts scattered that they didn't have any way to know who they belonged to. If there's, you know. One body scattered or several. It was just no way to know. Yeah. So how the benders killed their victims is known. What, meaning their heads were bashed in and throats were slit. But how they killed them is somewhat speculated. Now, based on evidence and stories told by survivors of the Bender Inn, it is believed that the guests were given the seat of honor at the dining table which backed up against the canvas room divider and was positioned over the trap door to the cellar. Once their victim was uh, sitting, I wanted to say seating so bad. (laughs) The words are good with you today. Yeah, I, I don't know. Once their victim was sitting, one of the men would knock the visitor out with a hammer from behind. One of the women would then slit the victim's throat to make sure they were dead. And then the body would be dropped through the trap door, stripped, and later buried or dismembered. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh at that horrible part, but why do you have to say words, dude? I don't um, know. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, like, again, with the Sorry, several buried. accounts. Sorry, buried. Buried? <laughs> yes. Tomato, tomato, dude. Buried, buried. Not, not, not this time. And you were hating on me for saying bold. 
Buried, buried, whatever, dude. Buried. <laughs> yeah, buried. So it was said, like, I, uh, we had talked about it earlier when I read the first passage from this uh, Harold Schechter book, but it said that Kate was the mastermind behind all this because it said that she was the one who uh, they would take, drag the body to the open hatch and then went with their head and neck above the hole, they would hold their hair back and slit their throat, right? And let all the blood seep out into the underground basement yeah and and uh while that was happening the other people would steal everything else from them they would steal their money and like take everything of, of that's precious and worth value on their person and then once they did all that they would just toss the body like you know so much trash into this the cellar and then that's when they would leave it there for a couple of days and then they would bury it eventually. I don't know. That's yeah. like, that doesn't seem sanitary. Definitely. No, not. it's definitely not sanitary, especially for a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are eating right above that. There's rules. I think it, she was, just, that, that's the thing that people keep saying Kate is in charge because she was the one to slit the throat every time. Like this is her deal. Like the family is along for her ride. I think also she, um, enticed a lot of people into the yeah um, into, into the house emily, emily didn't get to watch it because she had to go to handle some shit but i watched a movie called bender you can find it on i want to say is it paramount plus i want to say yeah but oh it's just yeah called paramount plus. it's just called benders or bender Bender. and uh it's a movie version of what happened but it's i is not accurate for the most part you get the gist of what happened but it's it shows the ages were all off and shit the ages were all <laughs> off and um the family was just mis mismatched which we'll talk about in a second once we talk about what we think happened here but um <clears throat> it shows kate as a she's supposed to be an attractive woman but i don't find her attractive in the movie but that's no here nor there but she was the like mastermind behind everything and this is all because of her and uh, actually at the end of the movie they ended up killing pa at the end of the movie because he was fucking something up i don't know but it was just really weird so at the end of, at the end of the movie you have uh john who in the movie's like nine it looks like and then kate who's this weird looking girl and then ma just riding off into the sunset but yeah don't if you want to hear about the bender movie or uh, bender's story don't watch that movie it, it's not even that good it's yeah. really not more like a artistic representation of what happened versus yeah uh, yeah it's very artistic they, it seems like they took more of a uh film festival approach yeah and so once they were dropped through that trap door and again stripped and later buried or dismembered uh some of the victims were wearing valuables or carrying cash and a lack of targeting suggests that benders killed for the thrill not for the money there were also around a dozen bullet holes <clears throat> that were found throughout the cabin, likely from victims who tried to fight back. Oh shit! Like people got hit in the head and then pulled out their their gat immediately. No, just they shot random rounds. They shot them. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. It was like the okay. like the OK Corral. Like I don't know. It, they didn't specify much. They're like there's bullet holes in the fucking house, so. Either they pulled out a gat, or the benders pulled out a gat and started shooting them. I think, I think what, in my opinion, what happened was they got hit in the head, and we're like, "Oh fuck!" and just instinctively reached for that pistol. Yeah, started and shooting. Just started shooting. So yeah. Anyways, I start blasting. 
Yeah, anyway. Now, once news of the Bender Inn murders made its way around, numerous people came forward. That was a weird run-on sentence. <laughs> once the news of the Bender Inn murders made its way around, numerous people came forward with their own tales of survival. Now, why are they now just speaking about it? It's fucking weird to me. Again, a lot of them are strangers to the area, so maybe they're like, this place is fucking weird. I'm getting out of here. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Uh, one man, whose name William Pickering, was staying at the Bender Inn, and he was told to sit at the table with his back against the canvas, you know, captain's chair yeah and he refused because of the disgusting stains that he saw on that canvas and then was immediately threatened with a knife by kate so he noped the fuck out of there yeah good call yeah good on him now a catholic priest why he was there we will not discuss well kate was enraged so <clears throat> yeah weird <clears throat> <laughs> Not getting blue. Um, who just decided to roll the dice and stay at the inn? Noped on out when he saw either John or John Jr. He didn't know it was one of the male vendors holding a big ass fucking hammer. What a sight oh. that must have been! You're in this tiny cabin as it is, and then you look and there's just a psycho-looking German man holding a big ass hammer. Yeah, I want to go would, with uh, it. Was the lumberjack one? I would know about as well. Yeah. Well, needless to say, the Benders were already fleeing the area and had purchased train tickets to head to Humboldt. And upon further investigation, the train conductor said that John Jr. and Kate had disembarked at Chattanooga. Chat, Chattanooga. It's not, it's not Tennessee. Ch Don't worry. Chat, it's not Chattanooga. Yeah. Chattanooga. 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 Sure. Okay. And then took a train south to Denison, Texas. Now, it is said that the pair headed to an outlaw colony. God damn it. Fucking words, man. <laughs> <sighs> Decided to head to a outlaw colony near the border of Texas and New Mexico. While the parents, John and Elvira, went north to Kansas City and then took a train to St. Louis. I did that on purpose. Good. St. Louis. Now, after this, everything kind of remains a rumor on where their whereabouts are. Long story short, they were never caught. And now this story remains a legend in the Kansas area. And a museum was actually erected in 1961 in Cherryville. They erected it so big in 1961. Uh, and this was in Cherryville. Where the crimes took place. They called it the Bender Museum. And it was a topic of controversy within the town, but would later be shut down. And then a firehouse built on the site in 1978. And then they would move all the artifacts to the Cherryvale Museum. And that's where they keep the hammers, photos, newspaper clippings. And if you actually want to visit this museum, because it's still active, it's at 215 East 4th Street. It's at East 4th Street. Sorry. 
<clears throat> if you want to visit the museum, <laughs> it's located at 215 East 4th Street in Cherryville, Kansas. It's still there. Good job. I'm now, pop over there now. You're pretty close by. No. Like, Mm-mm. no. 600 miles. More than that? I'm a Googler. I don't know. I'm a Googler. Right. I'm a Googler. I'm probably mm, right. So am I. Six yeah, to seven. Probably. Yeah, I'm going nope. six to seven hundred miles. Um, anyways, let's talk about the rumors and the really weird shit that happened regarding this bloodthirsty family. <laughs> ah, you like that in there. One thousand thirteen <clears throat> miles. Jesus. And that's just For, to the bottom of Kansas. Well, that's farther than I thought, but um, so before we talk about the weird shit regarding this, let, let me, I want to read this um, after they absconded. Uh, I want to read this. It says the governor's proclamation, a $2,000 reward state of Kansas executive department. Whereas several atrocious murders have been recently committed in Labette County, Kansas under circumstances, which fasten beyond doubt the commissions of these crimes upon a family known as the Bender family. Consisting of John Bender, about 60 years of age, 5 feet 8 or 9 inches in height, German speaks but little English, dark complexion, no whiskers, and sparely built. Mrs. Bender, about 50 years of age, rather heavy set, blue eyes, brown hair, German speaks broken English. John Bender Jr., alias John Gebart, 5 feet 8 or 9 inches in height, slightly built gray eyes with brownish tint brown hair light mustache no whiskers about 27 years of age speaks english with german accent kate bender about 24 years of age dark hair and eyes good looking well formed rather bold in appearance fluent talker speaks good english with very little german accent and whereas said persons are at large and fugitives from justice now therefore i thomas a osborne governor of the state of kansas in pursuance of law do hereby offer a reward of five hundred dollars for the apprehension and delivery to sheriff of labette county kansas of each of the persons above named in testimony whereof i have here unto subscribed my name blah 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 thomas a osborne so the whole family if you catch them is two thousand dollars in total but this is you can find if you just google it you'll find so many different versions of wanted posters essentially yeah they for the family they really wanted to get these people they really really wanted to and um yeah so the main thing that i wanted to talk about with the family regarding how weird they are is the brother and sister were fucking right or 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 maybe they because so either the brother and sister are fucking or kate and john were married to each other because Kate didn't have that accent and she seemed to be did she looked different even by that description on a wanted poster she could tell that she's way different looking like yeah maybe there were some claims that they were doing some incest because obviously everyone thought they were brother and sister mm-hmm. and there was a uh, uh again this is a not quoted or I can't find uh, a reference to this saying, but they're like, yeah, if a baby comes out, we'll just bash it in the head. Yeah, meaning a little incest baby comes out. Yeah. 
but you know the, a lot of rumors of this because they say that they are brother and sister however neighbors report saying that they, they were married to each other they were not brother and sister but actually husband and wife again all of this shit is hearsay all of this is yeah well i once saw them kiss each other in broad moonlight you know it's just the crazy neighbors people wanting to be in the news people wanting to have any part of their story included in this gruesome story because uh true crime has always been uh something that the american people have been deeply interested in yeah it's gravitate towards it yeah this is not a new thing and uh in fact uh there's something else i wanted to read from the serial killer files um it's a it is a um another theory posed by none none other than uh laura ingles wilder i don't know if you know that name but she did the little house on the prairie oh yeah yeah we talked about it in osage too right I think we uh, we we dabbled on it a little bit. Yeah, we talked about her during the Osage one, but um, so the book says that Laura's Eng- Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, she writes that her father was actually one of the men who went out in search of the Benders. So she says he never spoke about the experience. She had deduced from the grim expression on his face that when he returned from the manhunt, that the posse had in fact caught up with the four Benders and dispensed well-deserved frontier justice. So there's that theory, that they were caught by the posse and just straight-up murdered and unmarked graves. Brutal. There is. <clears throat> and there are so many different claims of, like, just people catching wind of them. Like, there's a story, and this happened in 1884, so quick math, 20 years after. Quick math, two plus two is four. Um, an elderly man who investigators had matched the description of Paw Bender was arrested in Idaho for murder committed with a hammer. Now, while he was waiting for more details from Kansas regarding this murder, the man tried to escape by severing his foot and ended up bleeding to death and then decomposed before an identification could be made. And again, in in 1889, a mother named Almira Mm. and daughter Sarah Elizabeth were arrested for larceny. And in Michigan, they subsequently accused uh, Elvira uh, and Sarah of being the murderers. Whoa. But when they were brought to Kansas, a panel from Labette County meant to confirm their identity provided inconsistent results. So, you know, they couldn't confirm it. The women were released and sent back to Michigan. Dang. Hmm. There is a story, and this was a... Uh, a man who provided, or a female who provided, her grandfather's um, remarks on the Bloody Benders. And she was saying, I listened to a story last night from my grandfather, Emerson Smalley, about the Benders and their supposed end. His family was from the Cherryville, Kansas area, and the story involves a group of men that found the Benders and were in a gunfight with them one of whom was a judge that lost part of his ear in the gun battle. 
My grandfather, who is approaching 80 years old, is always full of great stories, but he assured me that his father, who passed this on to him, knew of what really happened. When his father, Frank Smalley, was a boy, he was hiding in the hayloft of the family barn when he overheard a group of men below talking and laughing. Frank's father, Jesse P. Smalley, along with several men, were joking with a local judge, teasing him about his missing ear. As the boy listened, the men continued to talk, relating the tale of how the judge had lost his ear, and it was a story about the infamous Benders and about one man who had got away. This unnamed man was evidently one of the many who had made the mistake of stopping at the Bender Inn. Like others, as he sat at the table, he was hit over the head. The Benders then stripped him of his clothes and went to bury him when the man suddenly awoke. The Benders were, no doubt, surprised that the man wasn't dead, and somehow he managed to escape, and the next appearing naked in the middle of the night at Jesse Smalley's doorstep. Telling the story of his near death, Jesse quickly retold it to a nearby doctor and judge who formed a vigilante group to go after the Benders. However, by the time the men arrived at the Benders' cabin, very early that next morning, they found the Benders were gone. They began to follow God damn it. They began to follow a wagon trail left by the benders that took them down as far south as Tulsa, Oklahoma, before circling back into Kansas. At a fork of the Fall and Vertigris rivers, they found the benders with their wagon backed up against the fallen tree with canvas over it for shelter. When the vigilante group approached, the benders fired on them at which time the judge lost part of his ear to a flying bullet. And in retaliation, the vigilantes killed all the members of the Bender family, buried them where they died, and took the wagon to town where they left it. I have heard my grandfather tell of this story since I was a boy, and Grandpa swears that this is the real story of what happened to the Benders. Fact or fiction, no one really knows, but I've always enjoyed the tale and hope you will as well. Dang. Yeah, there's um, I think now that we're looking into this a little bit more, uh, I think the prevailing theory is that the benders were caught pretty much right away, and just street justice was yep. Because I just I just found right now while you're reading that, like I found an article on historical crime detective, um, which says that there are three accounts of not just from Laurel Ingalls Wilder, um her dad doing it but there's now three other people two of them were deathbed confessions that said that they helped kill the entire bender family pretty much that same day oh, says wow. two out of the three two of the three accounts are deathbed confessions and as such merit respectful notice it says like a living man may have plenty of reasons to tell their part of the story but to lie when you're dying is just not something people usually do there's no the prospect of being famous or making money off of this, you're about to die. Literally you're on your deathbed. So they see, see it as more credible, but yeah, they, three people say that uh, this came out in 1910. So many, many years after like 20 years after this whole thing happened, um, actually maybe even more than that, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so it says um, that, Let's see if I can find the main part of the story. It says that um, they 
what's his name, Colonel York, had caught some people but couldn't prove that it was the vendors. And so he couldn't do anything about it. However, he told a small group of people, meet me back here at night. And they did what they had to do. So, yeah. It says, uh, oh, hold on. Yeah, but, but yeah, basically that's it. Um, they just handled they, it. They just handled it after they couldn't distinctly, like, 100% prove it was them. But they said, uh, yeah, they, they just took them in, began questioning them outdoors. And then it says, very little imagination is needed to conjure up a vivid picture of what happens next. Uh, yeah, so they were just round up and buried in unmarked graves. Damn. And... You know, apart from that, there is speculation on their actual identities, right? We, we talked about uh, Kate and John Jr. not actually being brother-sister. But there's also speculation on Pa and Ma. Yeah, they have their own sordid history. Yeah, so they're saying Pa Bender was actually found to have been a man named John Flickinger. And he was either from Germany or Holland. And, again, speculation. Though he allegedly committed suicide in 1884 in Lake Michigan, others believe that Ma and Kate murdered him because he had fled Cherryvale with all the cash and valuables they had taken from their victims. Now, Ma Bender, who was born Almira Mike, why, why I said Almira earlier, yeah. Uh, from the Adirondacks. Um, Adirondacks. Adirondacks. She married as a teenager to a man named George Griffith. After bearing him a dozen children, including Kate, Mr. Griffith suddenly died, some said of a bad place on his head resembling a dent that might have been made with a hammer. And afterwards, she reportedly remarried several times, killing those husbands too, as well as three of her children, so they could not testify against her. Holy shit. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. The rabbit hole gets bigger, ladies and gentlemen. How about John Jr.? How about John Jr.? Well, to do this as a family, you got to have... There's no way this just started like, hey, let's murder people. You good with that? Like, yeah, no, they they probably (laughs) had to be uh, crazy from the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. And John Jr., who, again, I don't have annotations on accuracy, was actually found to have been a man named John Jebhart. And we talked about him being a half-wit because he just randomly laughed. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they believe this was uh, simply a ruse to disguise disguise his clever nature. And again, some kind of idiot savant. Yep. And and again, most were believed, uh, were led to believe that that John and Kate were sister and brother. But others said that they sometimes passed as man and wife. Mm -hmm. Now, Kate was the fifth child of Ma Bender and was born as Eliza Griffith. And at some point, she married and went by the name of Sarah Eliza Davis. Allegedly, while working, quote unquote, working at that Bender Inn, 
talked about during the story. She earned her keep as a prostitute as well. So, yeah. Take it as you will. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, like mystery that shrouds, yeah, the story and who they are. Wrapping it up now, but I found a cool paragraph that I want to read out of that uh, historical crime doc. Okay. So we'll end it on this, uh, and then you take it as you will. So it says, uh, this is a second account, the second deathbed confession. It says, a year later in 1910, hold on, let me me get some Wild West going here. Yeah, get get it. Get the whistleies. Okay. A year later in 1910, a man named Harker or Hooker also lay dying in a New Mexico cow camp. Like Downer, the first guy, he told friends of hunting down the four benders and described in some detail what happened after the killing. He and his companions had gathered around the four bodies, decided that it had been an execution without due process of law, and that the deed might be called murder and punished as such. Wherefore, they buried the benders and obliterated all traces of digging. The sum of several thousand dollars found on the bodies was divided among the self-elected avengers. Then, with bared heads and raised hands, they had sworn to one another and to God never to tell what had happened. And that is, uh, wow. that seems to be the consensus of the end of the Benders, I think. Because before, this was pretty mysterious to me where they went, like how they got away with it. But mm-hmm. after doing this episode now, I'm pretty sure they just got street justice. <laughs> they, got, mean, they, they got, got murked up immediately. Murked. They got straight up murked. Like they, it says they got away, but I don't think they ever did. I don't think they did either. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, yeah, after this episode, I think my, my conclusion is they were murked. They were caught. And handled street judges there shortly after. I like it. So that's the story of the bloody benders. I'll allow it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for uh, hanging out with us. Yeah. This is another uh, bloodthirsty episode. Mm, The bloodthirsty family. (laughs) Uh, Too much. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed our rendition of it. We know this story is kind of popular and and already out there a lot. But I think, uh, honestly, I think we added a few things that you may not have heard before. So hopefully you learned something new today. It's all we can hope for. Mm-hmm. You live and you learn. Emily, you want to tell them about where to find us? Yeah, um, we have a link tree on all of our profiles. We have Twitter, Bloodthirsty Pod, and Instagram and Facebook are at Bloodthirsty Times. And our email is bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. Fucking love it. Yeah. Yep. Well, so leave us messages. Uh, email us. If you have questions, if you have anything at all you want to say to us, you can do that. And we'll talk about it. Perfect. Love y'all. Love you. Bye, everybody. See you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye. Oh, next week's a doozy. We oh, got some. Uh, yeah, next week we have new age stuff. Ooh. Yay. It's an Emily I'm episode. not giving it away yet. No, it's an Emily episode, but it's, it's fun. It's a good one. Okay, we'll catch See you next, next week. week. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.